Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are. I'm Ray Rossini, and we are MSP Community Live, as we do every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Joining me is host of Partner First, Mr. Dean Trumpelis. How are you doing, Dean? Good, how are you? Good, good. And for uh, the first time on the show, uh, Ms. Don, Mrs. Don Sizer, how are you doing, Don? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, as uh, we like to say, MMN is about all the communities, uh, and Tech Degenerates is absolutely no different. Um, for those that may not have met you before, uh, can you tell us a little about your background and Third Element and uh, and Tech Degenerates and all the fun stuff that you do? Yeah, sure. So I uh, run an MSP in South Central Pennsylvania, so probably like the rest of you, that kind of thing. We've been around for 18 years, so we are not new to this rodeo. Um, I'm the CEO there, which is a little bit different, a little bit of a unicorn in the industry as far as that goes. We're about 15 people strong at this point and growing like mad. So that's the, the MSP side. Um, and as far as the tech degenerates are concerned, this is really just a group of um, it's, it's MSPs, it's solution providers, it's all the folks that make the channel up, including vendors that come together and literally help everyone out, which is fantastic. It's probably one of the best communities I've ever been a part of, and I am thrilled to be a part of it. It is uh, it is definitely fun. I'm in there from time to time. Uh, you guys just had your uh, Thirsty Thursdays yesterday. Um, there's always stuff going on both online and in person uh, at various events. So uh, we will include the link to the Tech Generous Discord below. Uh, and I absolutely invite everybody to join. It is an absolutely good time and good people. Um, so MSP Community Live, uh, Donna, it was your first time on. Um, Dean, you've been there, done that with me before. Uh, we're going to go through some of the conversations happening in the MSP channel, as we do always. Uh, I pull from Reddit, uh, if there's any community, but it's any conversations anywhere in our space. If there's something that you guys want to discuss, we will. Uh, good morning, Samuel. So let's see what we got. Dean, you had mentioned this first one. Let me bring this up. Uh, dealing with frustrating clients, um, which are always fun. So what made you uh, what made you pull this one out, Dean? I think at its core, this this entire industry, that's what we do. We we support people like I don't know. I don't know about the rest of you. I can't think of a time where a piece of technology I had truly failed on its own without me initiating it. And that's why I think like the ability to handle frustrated clients and end users how to manage that, how to set expectations, how to communicate with them, how to human with them. That's really the core of what all of us do. And so I just thought, this, what a great question somebody was asking. Yeah, so we look at the uh, we look at the post here and I'll put it over in the comments. Uh, it says, how do you deal with uncooperative customers? Like 100%, like I'm 100% sure the issue is on her client. Yes, she refuses to make me connect saying that's our issue. Then hangs up on the phone saying she'll write an email to the top ladder or refuse to listen, then it's a play on who has the last word. I'm quite passive because I can't just F them off. Um, Don, you've never dealt with this as an MSP, right? Every one of your clients yeah. are absolutely a pleasure and they listen to every word you say, right? 100%, yeah. I mean, I'm glad you understand how this works and we don't even need to have this conversation. <laughs> um, 
So, so give us some tactics here. I mean, we've all come across that. Um, I have my own ways, but how have you traditionally handled this when it comes across? So it all depends. Like, where where is it starting from, right? Is it one of the the lowly folks in the organization? Is it one of the principals? Where is it coming from? And then trying to figure out where's the frustration coming from, right? So if we're talking about you know lowly person on the totem pole, you start at the the manager level, right? Like, hey, we're having an issue with this person. This is the situation that's going on. I'm not sure if it's us. I'm not sure if it's them. You know, you fall on your sword as best as you can. Like this might be a me issue and I want to make sure that they're educated. They understand how things work, you know, what that looks like. But if it truly is a problem with their staff, one, they may not know about it. They may not know how they're treating vendors. Um, so it is something that they need to, to know about. But, you know, what do you what do you do? You know, yeah, and that, that brings up a good point, right? Like you can be empathetic. You can be take accountability for helping them solve the problem. Doesn't mean you're taking responsibility for the error, but at the same time, because nobody wants to think they're wrong, but at the same time, you have to acknowledge it could be on you, right? <laughs> Even if you know for a fact really? it's not. Just yeah. admitting that you're open to the possibility, that de-escalates many situations. You know, just saying, knowing you're not going to say it's your fault, even though it's going to end up being your fault. You know what I mean? That's that's a big deal. Um, Dean, you you deal with these, you've dealt with the operations side and dealing with the, uh, the techs that are handling these customers. Um, give us your words of wisdom. What have you, uh, what have you come across here? Yeah. There was a really great piece of advice I was actually given by my first MSP boss because I was always an operations person. I was in a position where I felt like, well, you're contracting our process. Our process is empirically correct. Therefore, you, the client, are always wrong. And I used to come at all of these with that mindset. And so my first MSP boss, Nathan, used to say to me, Dean, you can be right or you can be rich. And the point he was trying to make is it's not about who's right. It's about helping and they're paying us to help them. And that for some of us, that's empathy. For some of us, that's sympathy. For some of us, it's just a sense of urgency. But you have to reframe that this person didn't initiate a ticket with you because they wanted to be right and wanted you, the help desk person, to be wrong. Like That wasn't their goal. They just want to work. They just want to do their job. And if you approach it with that attitude that it doesn't matter why we're here, but from this point forward, I'm here to fix it for you. Almost always you can overcome those kinds of objections. So there's always going to be the fire the clients and all that stuff. Right. Um, but I'm going to take a page from the Spooner. Uh, the first episode Kyle Spooner was on, uh, we played the game. Let's guess what they said. Um, so, <laughs> you know, and actually I did get a chance to review. So I'll, I'll I'll refrain, but um, some of the comments actually were surprising to me. There was a there was a high level of EQ in the comments, which I wasn't expecting from Reddit. Um, so, Don, give me your Reddit. predictions. What do, what do you think we're going to see on this uh, Reddit thread from the MSPs? I mean, hundred percent. There's going to be at least one person that says fire the client. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm hoping somebody would have said, you know, seek first to understand before trying to be understood, right? I think that's that's the gist of the whole thing. Like, find out where the frustration lies and go at it from there. And then, you know, if it's your responsibility, take responsibility for it. Absolutely. Dean, any ideas? Um, my guess is because this particular one, the, uh, the person was saying that the user basically said they report them to the executive team. There's probably going to be some sort of let your escalation path or... Uh, do you have someone internally you could escalate this issue to? Because it's 
probably not something that T1 helped us tech. They can't manage yeah. the entire relationship. Yeah. Well, and that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of why I like this story so much is because when this stuff comes up, you're battling more communications than you are any technical challenge. Um, now, I always I like to say when you're on the phone, it's psychology. When you're off the phone, it's technology. Um, that's what I've always preached to my help desk people. And it just it's one of those things. So let's see here. We got kill them with kindness. Tell your uh, POC, tell your boss. If this happens, one person, it's on them. If it's happening with multiple people, you might be the problem. Disagreement. Uh, let's see. Agree. Also add most people I've dealt with. Most jerks I dealt with are jerks in their own business, too. Um, every attorney's office and dentist's office ever worked with. Uh, then you fire them. It's so funny watching their face change. Not seeing anybody saying go out and fire them. Damn. Okay. Firing, especially the toxic ones, is like the best thing for your mental health. There we go. There's our firing comment. Um, I don't disagree, though. Uh, so my own my own thing when these things come up, um, I, I, everything's relationship, right? Every day you're together, you choose to be together, whether it's marriage, whether it's work, whether it's personal life, you're choosing to be together. So, and that requires a simple set of expectations on both sides, right? My wife knows I'm going to come home at night. I know she's going to be there in the morning. It's just, that's the dynamic. So with the MSP and the client, I feel there needs to be the same thing. Well, the MSP needs to set expectations. The client needs to set expectations and you hold themselves to it. That includes how to communicate what's expected. Like we used to have a clause, the client will make themselves reasonably available uh, for the MSP to address uh, any tickets within a reasonable time. It was something along that, more lawyery. But basically just is, it's not my emergency if it's not your emergency, right? We both have to be involved in it. And so sitting down and talking with these people and saying, this is, let's, let's solve this. We wanna get you on the right path. We're both working toward the same direction. But in cases where they just, it becomes unmanageable, untenable, there's mergers, acquisitions, hires, fires, so on. Eventually you get somebody that's a toxic fish in that aquarium, you level set again. Level setting is not a bad thing. You level set with your employees whenever you do employee reviews, you level set with your clients when you're doing QBRs, um, you level set here. And if it doesn't work out, then be comfortable with parting ways. But even that should be mutually agreed upon, right? Like. I've never terminated a client that we both didn't feel it was the right thing to do at the end of the conversation. Um, you know, cause otherwise you're burning bridges and that's a bad idea. So let's go to terminating clients. I'm going to guess Don, you've had to terminate at least one client at some point in your career. Um, give us some ways you did that with tact. Uh, you get what I'm saying? Like there, there's a, a right way and a wrong way to do it. What would be your recommendation when you have to terminate one of these clients? So we've terminated two, um, one for some of the issues that we just talked about. They, they weren't friendly. They weren't being nice. And it really was them and not us. And we tried to level set multiple times over multiple different leaders. And it just they were just not a fit for us. The other one, and, and I think this is probably a really good one, that firing a client that just doesn't do the things that they need to do um, to be legal, to be compliant, to be responsible, right? Because th those are the ones that we run into yeah. more often than not. It's having that that good conversation of, look, there are things that you need to do to be both legal and compliant, and you're not willing to spend the money or do the right thing. And unfortunately, that is not a risk or liability that I am willing to take on, and I can't take it on. Because it's a risk to my business, it's a risk to my people, and quite frankly, it's a risk to you. 
And there are times that you just need to tell them that, you know, unfortunately, this is where we part ways. And I need you to go find another group that is willing to work with you that way or step up and do the right thing, do the legal thing, do the compliant thing. And we'll be more than happy to, to stay doing business together. And they opted to not do the legal and compliant thing. And we moved them on to another vendor that was willing to take them while not being legal and compliant. That's uh, and that's a big point. I mean, now more than ever, people ask me, okay, what would you do if you started an MSP today? My answer is I wouldn't, uh, <laughs> you know, my hat's off to the MSPs out there. Cause I always dealt with, I always worked with um, compliance uh, regulated businesses, FDA, FERPA, FINRA, SOX, yeah. whatever. Those were my clients. Um, so they all knew they had that monkey on their shoulder telling them they had to do this thing, whether it was the government or some regulatory agency, whatever it was. Um, so I found those to be easier, but sure enough, you'd still have those clients that would be very creative in how they felt they needed to apply those rules um, to the point where it became more of a risk for me than I was willing to accept. Yeah. So that was right. the to walk away. Um, and that happens. I mean, today in MSP, you guys take on so much more liability than ever before um and forget the, the the laws that are coming across and you know and forget the you know now now you have the cyber insurers on top of it who can and can't work in ir and sometimes msps don't know where they can step in and can't step in um it, it's a it's a minefield um so it's dangerous which is why i say pick your clients carefully just like you pick your employees carefully um dean you've never had to fire anybody before you it's always been hunky dory everybody happy Right. Um, well, you know, I was thinking as you guys were talking, I've never worked somewhere in this space that didn't have some sort of internal standards. You know, they standards may have changed or improved, but I've never been somewhere that had no standards. And that's usually how unless the client has been objectively an antagonistic, toxic. So I put uh, Peter or, or jerk in, in the chat unless they've consistently been a jerk those PETA clients, which is usually what we're talking about here. Firing doesn't mean you angrily go to their office and say, you're done. You're out of here. Like the easiest way to do it is say, here is our standards. You don't meet them. Here's the new price. And they opt to pay or they don't. And you can just raise that price. So you get to a point where you know that that's not something they want to pay for. And then they will be obliged to find a new provider. So Transitioning a client off of your standards does not have to be antagonistic, caustic. It doesn't have to be, you know, very dramatic. It, it can simply just price them out of your service stack and let somebody else absorb that risk. And we've absolutely done that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's it, you have to have the, the standards make it easier because you're doing it qualitatively versus doing it my feelings and my, you know, I'm, I'm hurt or whatever. It's so easy to get caught up in that passion when you're basically having a negative interaction. It's we're human. It happens. Lord knows I've gotten fired up plenty of times. Um, but, you know, keeping a level head and having and saying, I'm not going to make this based on emotion. I'm going to make this based on data. How many negative interactions? How many times have they adhered to our standards? Whatever. When you can do that, I find it makes it much easier. Um, so I think we've killed that one. Let's look at this. This is an interesting one because um, I know I've been on both sides of this and I, and I kind of like it. So yeah. this is advice for an on-site IT administrator that partnered with an MSP. And I won't read the whole thing, but the gist Love is co -managed. I, <laughs> I got hired by uh, an IT sysadmin. 
moving forward in my career from desktop to software, a little green on IT. So I'm happy my job's partner with an MSP uh, since he's the sole person at the site. Uh, the building works finalized next year. Person who built systems and infrastructure did a terrible job. There's the three envelopes. Last guy always did a terrible job. Uh, MSP came in, fixed to the best of their abilities. Uh, I was brought in to be on-site desktop as well as connection between management and MSP. How can I be of more service to the company? They want him to be in charge of everything while, or they want them, I don't know if it's man or woman. Uh, they want them to be in charge of everything while the MSP manages all service patches and security. Um, and they actually want a good relationship with the MSP, which is phenomenal. Good for you. Um, Bob Coppage talks a lot about this. You can absolutely have a very good symbiotic relationship with the uh, MSP. And Bob Coppage book. Um, yeah, I have some of his books here somewhere. Um, mostly throw at, throw them at them when I see them at conferences, but you know, <laughs> um, but you know, but, but I do think there's a good relationship that can be had once you get past the, they're going to take my job. And it sounds to like here, the expectations are pretty clear. Um, but as we both know, we always think the other person did a crappy job and we know better. sounds like yeah. the ego hasn't hit this person yet. Good on them, you know, cause we've all been there. Um, Don in those co-managed situations, either as the MSP or, you know, something you can see from the other side, how do you find the, give some tips and tricks we can give this person for the best way to work with the MSP? Yeah. So, I mean, have they sat down and had a really good meeting with the MSP yet? I mean, that's, that's question one. And, you know, if they have, and we haven't talked about who's the, who's acting in the CIO role, right? Is it the IT administrator? Is it the MSP? Um, do they have a, a VCSO, a VCIO? What, what does that look like? with that relationship, because once you have that relationship established and who's actually running what, then you can kind of sit down and start making a plan. Well, if we don't like what we have, how do we get to a point where we like what we have or are comfortable with what we have? You know, and who's running that? Who's running point? Who's who's giving you the yeah. advice? You know, like if you don't have the ego, if you don't have the experience, you should be leaning on that MSP, whether it's for strategy, whether it's for that, you know, escalation engineer or that system um, architect or whatever that looks like with that MSP. And if they're not getting that from the MSP that they have. Hi, friends. Um, we're over here. You can certainly call us. We'll give you a hand with that. But, <laughs> um, right. but that is. But that is what they should be looking at from from their MSP, right? That really good relationship where they can lean on each other for the things that they don't personally have, right? Because the MSP sounds like they don't have hands-on in the environment, but the administrator sounds like they really just don't have strategy roadmap and that architecture that they need to have to move forward. And that and that's a perfect thing. I mean, I could see how it's easy for corporate to come in and say, we're going to hire this person that's green, but they're going to, or have an over understanding of uh, an over estimation of their abilities and say, okay, you're going to run this going forward. There's still no reason, like you said, there's no reason the IT person can't rely on the MSP and say, okay, I'm doing this today. You guys are, let's clearly define the edges. If the MSP has more of that ability for the architecture design, keep out the too many chefs in the kitchen, let them do what's best. But you use that just like you use an apprenticeship, just like you use learning from any other vendor. 100%. And there's, right. there's, there's a point, too, of, of when you're an MSP, when you have someone like that, you can build them into a C CIO. You logistically can. You make an amazing connection with that, that, that organization, that person. And there's every expectation at that point. If they move jobs, they're taking you with them. So not only are you left in the organization that you started with, but now you have another one. Yeah. So building someone up 
as an MSP is probably the best thing that you can do, both for your client, but also for that person. And I love that looking at the point of view, what's in it for me for the MSP, right? I, 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 that's that's so valuable. And I agree because I'm, I'm always a fan of building a champion at any of your clients, right? There has to be someone that that's your, you can back channel if you need to, you can like use them as a sounding board, but you know, they're always, you're both looking out for each other. And with MSP, it's kind of hard sometimes when you have, because mostly we get to talk to what the CFO or somebody right. in the C-suite, but they don't have the technical background typically. So you're doing a little bit of translating as you're trying to get your point across. That barrier is gone. That communication challenge is gone when you're working with somebody else that's already in tech. Even if they don't have the same ability, you can have a similar conversation. That's a win. That You don't have to justify why you need backups or why you need redundant internet or why you need you know, ver identity verification. Uh, that's such a bird in hand. It's so, such a wonderful thing to take advantage of. Uh, what about you, Dean? Uh, you guys went the full gamut. I, I imagine you did a good bit of co-manage as well. So as your MSP matures, you reach a natural point where you need to start, I say improving, but you need to start looking for a more mature type of client to take on. And those clients tend to have some sort of IT department. And if you come into it with this idea that we're here to replace your IT department, it's a it's a very conflict oriented thing. And the entire IT department or individual is a gatekeeper. If you can get over that and look at the fact that they have an onsite IT team that this company probably doesn't know how to manage, probably doesn't really know how to give any career development to, probably doesn't really know how to train or hold accountable. I don't want to roll a truck they can't really afford to buy the types of tools that I can, you start realizing, wow, this is a really cool way that I can start taking my relatively nimble MSP and pulling really big clients. And I can give a really wow experience to them. And if you make this IT person your advocate, your friend, your ally, which is a lesson Dean had to learn the hard way, um, you can end up with these really, really cool symbiotic relationships where you can have every MSP owner wants their clients to grow, right? And that doesn't usually, most clients grow beyond us. But if the internal staff, the IT staff is on your side, there's a much better chance that that client, as they scale, you know, to 500 users, 2000 users, 5000 users, they're probably still going to have a relationship with that MSP, even if that MSP couldn't at that point fully take over. So I just, I co-manage is one of just the most awesome things to learn how to do. Just don't make the internal IT department your enemy. They're not your enemy. They're your friends. I couldn't agree anymore. Uh, that it's just make friends, people. Friends are good. That's what makes life move forward. Um, speaking of making friends, um, actually, there's nothing related to making friends. I just had no segue. So I'm looking at this. And the question, and it got downvoted, so we'll leave it at that. But I monthly MSP versus, <laughs> I know you did. That's why I brought it up. Uh, monthly MSP versus breakface cost studies. Um, basically, they're just looking for a way to justify MSP versus cost savings uh, versus break fix. Um, Dean, I'm not going to read through your thing because we have you live, but you had some comments on this. And I'd definitely love to, to know what your thoughts yeah. are here. I think this is a valid question because whether you're um, a, a potential client of an MSP or you're a younger MSP or you're a project shop looking to move into support, 
this is something you ha you think about. Like, do I put somebody on a monthly recurring agreement that's complicated or do I just build them as I do the work, which is how most of the service sector functions. And the point I was making here is the question you want to ask is not which will save me money because you're not out to save money to begin with. You're going to spend money on IT no matter what. It's about which one's going to cost you more. And BreakFix does not have any sort of agreement on shared risk. So BreakFix will always end up costing you more of the life cycle of whatever thing you're looking at versus a managed agreement may seem like there's you know more of a monthly bill, but over the period, let's say a computer lasts for five years and a server has a maximum life cycle of seven, manager is always gonna end up costing you less because both parties are incentivized to make sure it doesn't break. So I'm gonna push back on that. I'm gonna say MSP will right. cost you more and it should cost you more. Um, a good attorney costs more than a bad attorney. A good CPA costs more than a bad CPA, but I also extract a lot more revenue and and uh return on investment from the good versions of those and the bad ones we've all heard it costs money to make money right um there are certain things that you buy cheap and then you spend thousands of dollars just upgrading and adding on to and whatever versus and the time invested versus right. the money you spent and so to me it's no different than when i talk to msps and i say okay well all revenue is not good revenue i would rather take less dollars from a good client than more dollars from a bad client because a bad client's going to be a tear on my team. A bad client's going to be a tear on my bookkeeping or we're going to be constantly having battles with account management or with finance or with whatever. Bad client is going to want to terminate early. Why put yourself through that when you know it's already a pretty hefty process to sign on an MSP client? That's a lot of work. So I like to very, very strongly evaluate them before they come on. I And if it's bad, I'll cut bait loose. I'll cut bait quickly. Um, Don... You've had to justify these things, right? When you're pitching new clients, you, why would I go MSP if I can do break fix? Um, how have you encountered those things in the past or how have you um, com combated them? Yeah, we've always been uh, MSP based. Uh, just that's the model that we've been using since the very beginning. So this isn't you know new for us as far as that goes. The couple of people that we have talked to that were interested in that like break fix thing, we explained the whole liability and risk matrix to them and that ended the conversation very quickly. Um, and, and realistically, again, I'm not taking on a client where it's the risk and liability is just too high for me. And that's that's where break fix is. And I, I can't, I understand the project model, project models get contracts and there are, there are scopes of work and definitions and things around those, that's totally fine. That's very different from, um, I call these people down the street when I have a problem with my computer and they eventually show up and do a thing and then they leave and then it breaks three weeks later. That's a whole different scenario. And those people want that thing fixed for free because they just had it fixed and now it's, and you know, and it's just, it's a mess. Stop doing this. Just stop doing it. <laughs> I wish they would. <laughs> I really wish they would. So, so let me ask yeah. you that because you, I know you've been in IT a long time and, and but you've hit something and we're all in agreement with something with these same standard, these same uh, core principles have standards, uphold to your standards. Um, and they, you know, they grow your business for you. It's always being an MSP, not, not doing the break fix stuff that uh, I unfortunately did at one point in time. Um, but these are the same conversations you have with MSPs when they talk about cloud versus on-premises, right? Oh, well, cloud's not cheaper. It's a lot more money, but you were just arguing for MSP versus break fix. Do you not realize these two things are very similar uh, and not in every case, of course, it's the right tool for the right thing. But Don, when you were deciding to have your business, 
deciding to do the MSP model, you had to have that thought, that conversation you just said now in your head, and something had to click for you where you said MSP is the right way to go for you. All right, I'm not downplaying anybody who does break fix. What was the what was the thing that actually made that light bulb go off for you? What was the thing that said for you? This is the path I have to go down, because there's so many MSPs that are still struggling with this. We see this every month on Reddit, break right. fix per device per end user, you know, ACE whatever. What was the deciding factor for you? So in just a little bit more background, I've been in IT since 95, so the, I am no spring chicken, and this is definitely not my first rodeo. I've worked for a number of companies before I started this one and saw all the bad ways of going about it and listen to the clients. They don't want break fix, especially once you get to a maturity level in a client. They don't want that. It, it just isn't there. And if you're not educating them properly, they're going to think that break fix is still a thing, Right. Right. So there's there's an education component to it. There's a maturity level to it. There's there's all kinds of things that go around a client and the way that you have to get them to think that it's their idea that this whole managed service thing is just an amazing thing. And they came up with it and you're going to provide that for them. And that's fine. I'm, I'm totally fine to let the client think that. But you have to move them along that line if they're still thinking that break fix is a thing. And we, as quite frankly, an industry need to stop doing things that put more risk, um, show us in a bad light. And a lot of that is the break fix model that some people use that is the bad way of doing it, right? There is a bad way. There's a good way of doing it, but there's a bad way too. Um, and I don't want to Lord delve if you catch me at a conference, I will absolutely agree with you publicly. Everybody has a right to their own opinion. Everybody's right, right has the right to make the wrong decisions. Um, 100%, right? That's totally fine. But as an industry, we should be coming together around those standards and saying, this is what we're going to do. And we're just no longer going to do some of the practices of old because security is different. Um, you know, standards are different. Compliance is different. Legal is different. There's Everything has changed from that way of thinking. Why haven't we come along with it? And why haven't we educated people in the public to come along with that as well? Yeah, I, 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 it's a battle that's constantly being fought, and I wish it was easier to get across because once you get it, you get it. I mean, to me, like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to MSP again. But if I did, ACE to me seems like MSP recurring, knowing I have a fixed cost per employee as I scale up my company as an executive. I love that on the on the owner side, right? On the on being a client, I love that fact. Um, Dean. I know you're all about time and materials. I know you hate contracts. You hate recurring revenue. <laughs> I joke. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's yeah. it's funny. It's funny though that you say that because even if you coming at this, if you're listening to this and you're like, I break fix is a viable business model. I I figured it out. I was in a peer group once with an MSP, twenty six million dollar MSP that was only break fix, and they were actually trying to switch over to manage the clients are unhappy. But ignoring that part, like even if you're that company. How many of us are comfortable with and good at asking people to pay us for things? I've met very few people in any industry where that is a natural skill set that doesn't lead to some sort of conflict. And if for no other reason, break fix forces you to have to justify explicitly every single thing you did every single time you send a bill. And that is not fun. And any sort of recurring thing, and I know Ray is a big proponent of this, any sort of reoccurring payment that's on a contract, it just removes that point of negativity, that that conflict 
I don't want to be asked to pay you money and you don't want to ask me to pay you money. And if we've agreed to terms that are recurring for a fixed set of services, we've removed that entire negative element from our relationship. And that that's one of those big things. Uh, it's just even the the clients always un underestimate the psychological value of when something happens, if you think I'm going to charge you per hour, you're going to be hesitant to call me, right? If if you could just pick up the phone, talk to a doctor, yeah. and they give you the answer right there and then, you would talk to the doctor more often. But the fact that you have to call, make an appointment, or even if it's a teledoc or whatever you're doing, same thing with the MSP. Well, if I know it's going to cost me two twenty five an hour, three hundred hour, even fifty bucks an hour, whatever it is, is this pop up on my screen really that important to bring up to them? I want to remove that. I want to be the, yeah, pick up the phone, press the button, hit the tray icon, whatever the hell you want to do. I don't care. I want you to use the MSP to ask whatever questions you have. Let's have a more personal and direct relationship. Um, and that's hard to put in a monetary value. But that, And that's why I say MSP is always more expensive than break fix, zero question. Intangible value, total contract value, total uh, lifetime value of the, of the hardware or whatever you're doing. I agree with you. MSP is more effective and functional use of revenue, uh, a more functional and effective use of spend, but uh, that's hard to portray. Uh, and so this last one I want to bring up, preferred tools for stack usage, uh, tracking stack usage. Uh, some of us in the, in the channel call it stack alignment, basically the same thing, uh, trying to optimize, optimize how we manage our usage across the stack. Uh, we have includes mix, mix of Mac OS and Windows. So we have 20 RMM, 20 Jamf, 40 Sophos. Say PSA doesn't ingest all these. Trying to have a good tool that can see across the stack and how many devices are in each. If devices on board, they have to remember to remove it from each service. This doesn't seem like a tool problem as much as a process problem. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Um, Don, what do you, what calls out at you when you see this? The, the term silver package is a huge red flag uh, for starters. So that, again, that thinking is the whole, I have this base package, right? And that's where, that's our starter package. And I immediately I'm to the, what liability are you taking on by telling people they only need this level of security, right? And they can, they can add on to the gold package and get better. And then they have the best one up here, the platinum, right? You know, you get into the precious metals thing and that's, it's just liability and risk and miserable scenarios. So that's probably a whole separate conversation that we should probably no, have. It's, time, but. It's, it's, and, and it's definitely one we can pick up at another time, but it, it's, you're not wrong. And I don't disagree. Well, I can't say if you're right or wrong. I can say I don't disagree with you at all. Um, I, I feel the same way. I'm not a fan of good, better, best. Um, I know that's an old paradigm from the Palachuk books and, you know, Carl and I have talked about it before. Um, my feeling is, and that's why I also did vertical focuses. I looked for businesses that were going to need the things I was offering. So it wasn't, I wasn't rolling a rock uphill trying to explain to them why they needed these things. Um, stack alignment, stack usage, that falls more in line with the VCIO, QBR, you know, making sure they're in line. And there's always going to be a few things, right? Maybe they had already paid for, I don't know, a P2 license when we only need P1 or some nonsense like that. There's always those little edge cases, right? Um, but it doesn't change anything that I hate the idea of having all these different packages for different clients. Operationally, it was, I remember back when we used Manage uh, and Autotask, it's not a product specific thing. It's just 
when we used Manage at the time, it was how do my techs know which contract applies to each client and what what's included in those contracts? Okay, well, we have the agreements and the tracking and the auto move to boards and dispatch policies. Okay, cool. So, but then it was, but you inevitably still had a, a tech that was trying to do one thing for, like I said, I made these mistakes early and killed them quickly, but you inevitably had a tech that was like, oh yeah, let's just install our EDR back then, AV or whatever it was. And that wasn't a service we were providing to that client. But you can't say, but but what's the, what's the, what do you say there? Yes, you need it because I believe you need it, but we're not charging you for it in the right package. So we're not going to, we're not giving it to you. Right. And then my tech said you need it and we should have had it, but I'm be, I'm okay with charging you and not giving it to you. Does that make any sense? That's a hard conversation to have. I mean, and it, so, I, I get what you're saying. I think on the flip side of that, and maybe I'm wrong about this whole scenario, but 10 years ago, I think you could have had that conversation. It would have been fine and you could have done the precious metals and, and it would have been okay. Not fantastic, but okay. Today, again, we're okay. in a whole different world. And if you're looking at attack surface management, right? I don't want an attack surface that is this wide. I want one that is this wide. Something that I can manage, something that I can watch. I want all of my people up to speed on exactly what it is that we are giving out to our clients. They all understand it. They all know it. They all know what they're looking for. If it's this wide, I don't have enough people to watch all that all day, every day. I just don't. And neither does the client, quite frankly. So the less attack surface management you have to perform on the daily, the better off you are. So from the productivity, efficiency, and risk part of it, I think shrinking things down as much as you possibly can and offering one phenomenal package is the better way of going about it. And then if you have some special needs above that, whether it's uh, GRC Always, yeah. or something very specific, that's yeah. totally fine. That's an add-on, bolt-on, whatever you want to call it. But then you're going to have specialized people that are going to look at those packages on the daily too. So that's that's my two cents. No, I, I, you bring up an excellent point. I, I'm talking about what I was doing. These are conversations I was having 2011, 2012, when I was creating these things. My last MSP clients were like 2016, 2017. Um, and I would argue it was untenable back then. Now, oh my God, you're absolutely right. The security, this the the compliance and risk side of it, I would never, never, ever, ever even entertain that conversation because again, the MSP is putting themselves at risk. It's risky behavior. Um, Dean, I see you like shaking in your chair. You want to jump in here? <laughs> well, I think you guys, you guys nailed it. And like really quickly, I would point out, I think um, Ray's, Ray's day job, OIT is a great example. There's nothing at OIT that doesn't have a defined SOP. And so that means there is at no point in time when Ray's staff are not enabled to deliver the best experience. And they've done that because Ray doesn't support 50 different voice platforms. He picked one, they're an expert in it, and they deliver it perfectly. And that's that's the methodology of thinking that Dom was talking about. And then when you take that back to an operational standpoint, I want to look at tools that enable me to do that. So when we our first big acquisition, the MSP that acquired us was a Palo shop. And they were really proud of the fact that they use Palo and, and we were just slumming it with Sophos. And they were telling me a Palo, you know, it's Gartner Magic Quadrant rated. It's, it's one of the best firewalls ever, which absolutely. And I was like, how do you manage that at scale? How do you make sure every client set up exactly the same where I can have one person with a pane of glass give our best experience in every one? Oh, you can't? It's 10K for four firewalls to buy Panorama. That's a great tool, but it's not friendly to us doing our best. So if you want to have that as something on the line card so you can advertise 
there's a Ferrari on the lot, that's fine, but we should focus our offering around a tool that allows us to give the best possible experience. And when you think that way, yeah, well, I was gonna no, say, you I, think that way, you get you get like yeah, the OIT I, type of thing. Like everything's an SOP. Like it's so much easier to run your business. It's so much easier to sell. It's so much easier to be acquired. It, and I think Don hit a point where <laughs> you just said it off the cuff, but it, it is such an important thing that when you have your base stack and when you have that client that has that special need, okay, you have a subject matter expert for that. We had that. I had a, a very large cancer research institute. They uh, they were across several continents, um, and we worked with several universities. But and so they had very specialized needs, and we had to hire people that had that subject or could build that subject matter expertise. That's a business decision. You're making a business investment to be able to support this business initiative. Right. A lot of MSPs don't see that way. No, I'm going to do this because that's how I can close this client. I'm going to do this because that's how I can close that client. And then you're handling things that you can't be an expert at 15 EDRs. You can't be an expert at 15 backup solutions. It is impossible. I'm a CCIE and I don't pretend that I know everything about every single firewall out there. I know the firewalls I know. I know the networking gear I know. And so you have to understand your limitations. And I think that's a big, uh, maybe it's the wrong term for it, but that's a big coming to Jesus moment when the MSP can look at it and say, these are my limitations. This is the pool I should play in. And if I wanna to go to a different pool, Am I willing to invest in the resources for that? Right. Um, and I'd love to see people have that. I never see that conversation being had publicly. I'd love to see it being had publicly. Um, it's important. It is. And I want to add on to that, that investment that you're doing, you have to be willing to lose money initially to be oh, able yeah. to do it. Right. Because everybody's like, well, if I just, you know, throw some, some cash at something, I'll, you know, if you build it, they will come. Right. But you have to, understand and agree that there's every possibility that you're going to lose money in the short term and be okay with that and be able to survive it. That's you know what makes all that easier? MSPs? Pick a vertical. Like MSPs who are listening to this, you know what makes everything we're talking about easier? Pick a vertical. It doesn't have to be the only thing you do, but just pick one. It's so much easier to focus on your best experience if you've identified your best client. And a vertical is probably the easiest way to do that. Look, I'm not, I'm not, uh, many of us are leagues away from, you know, the Robert Halfs and the, and the UDTs and the Presidios. But if you look at them, they have teams specialized for specific verticals and they are the best at what they do for those verticals. I, that's the same thing. I, whenever I talk to somebody starting new MSP today, I'm like, pick something. I don't care what it is because you're going to have to learn. Yeah. Just pick something you're nominally interested in, legal, medical, educational, whatever you want to do. Go focus on them and then just be the person they all look forward to, look to, right? For that advice. You're going to know that stuff so well. And we did that. We did that with medical. We did that with research. We did that with a ton of things. We had an FDA client handed us into other FDA clients. We were talking about like with co-managed. Um, I had a doctor's appointment this morning before I came here. And I had a 15-minute conversation with the girls at the front desk about the EMR they're using because I had enough experience at it. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're using this. And they were great. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, does this still have this problem, still have that problem? But when you can have those kind of conversations with clients, they're going to refer you to others. They're going to feel comfortable with working with you. And you can't get that level of comfort if you work across 15 verticals with a four-person IT team. That's just impossible. But I mean. Um, and it makes, it makes selling your stack alignment easier, too. Oh, yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah, so much. 
All right. So um, we've covered five great topics. I appreciate both of you guys for your amazing insights. Uh, your LinkedIn's will be in the comment in the show notes below as soon as Simon cleans all that up. Uh, but all three of us are over on Tech Degenerates. Uh, Don, I believe you were extended invite to MSP Media Networks Discord. Dean, I know you're there. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but join us and we'll be all over the place. Uh, Don, are you going to write a boom? I am not, but my service manager will be there. So if anybody's looking for you know some additional information, by all means, hit up Jason Perlman. He'll, be, he'll have the uh, Third Element stuff on, so. Perfect, yeah, and I'll be there. I'll make sure to hit up Jason. Dean, what are you doing next? Um, so Helped is gonna be at Seven Figure MSP. Uh, we might be at Right of Boom. Um, okay. But I noticed, and I just wanted to plug, Don is one of the main stage, uh, stage speakers at Ask Edge this year. So oh. yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. So I'll be talking about automation there. So if anybody's looking for ideas on automation and how to get things automated inside of your business, that isn't just your ticketing system, because we all use that. That's kind of silly, but there's some other things that I'll be bringing to the forefront. And it's everything from business processes down to actual like stuff that your techs can use. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, that, that was honestly my my tech brain. That was the very first thought I had with the preferred tools for tracking tech stack usage. Like, you're, that's automation. That your RMM can do this already. Your PSA, but that that is not the conversation that needed to be had there. Um, Don, Dean, thank you so much. We appreciate you. The audience, thanks for hanging out with us. I see all yeah. you, Degley, Samuel, uh, Creighton, Logan. Appreciate all you guys for coming and hanging out with us. Until next time, everybody, take care of yourselves and each other. been a broadcast of the MSP Media Network.